0: Well, hello there. Welcome to episode 82 of One Man Watchpoint, and Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you are a returning listener, you're of course familiar with my voice. And if you're not, then you're not. So allow me to introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. You can follow me on all socials, but especially please follow me over on Twitter. Uh, if you follow me over there, you can reach out to me, you can DM me, you can tweet at me, whatever you've got. Bring me topics, questions, comments, concerns, whatever you've got, whatever you want me to talk about on the show as it relates to Overwatch, Overwatch League, Overwatch 2, uh the recent Overwatch betas, whatever you've got. Uh, Blizzard, or even just video games in general. I do love to talk about video games. So I'd love to bring your topics, questions, whatever you've got to the show and talk about them. Now, enough with all that. We've, of course, got a few things to talk about this week. But in particular, I'm excited to get into the preview of uh, the upcoming games in the Overwatch League. This is, of course, we are entering week 15 of the Overwatch League. Uh, We are starting our path towards the summer showdown we just of course finished the mid-season madness tournament cycle uh, a few weeks ago we've had a few weeks off and now this week games resume with the summer showdown uh sort of our regular season qualifier games so i'm very much looking forward to getting into the preview of those games now Before we get into all that, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, all that jazz. If you do leave a review anywhere, as long as I get notified about them, which I have always assumed I will get notified, I actually don't know, maybe I should check into that. Maybe I've got a bunch of reviews sitting there and I've just never looked into them, but I digress. If you leave a review, I will do my best to get that on the show. Good, bad, whatever you've got, but, you know, give me five stars. I'm fine with that. If you can't get enough of the sound of my voice, you can also check me out on the Ready Set Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, uh, your premier source for all things Canadian Overwatch League action. We, of course, uh, I am the rotating third chair on that show, and by rotating, I simply mean I spin in circles while I listen to the other guys talk. Um, where uh, And on that show, of course, my hosts, uh, Chris and Alex, will take us through everything related to the Vancouver Titans, the Toronto Defiant, and everything going on in the Overwatch League. So, without further ado, let's get on into the show, because we've got some news to talk about, we've got some games to preview, and we've, of course, got some pickums to choose. Brave of you to show your face around here, Jesse. All right, so, getting on into things. We are going to start the day off by jumping over to DottySports.com with an article posted on August 3rd. Written by Leonardo Biazzi. This article reads, Houston Outlaws reportedly looking to sell Pelican, Iris, Piggy. The Overwatch League Houston Outlaws is set to revamp its active lineup in the near future. The organization has been actively offering three of its current players, the 2021 Owl Rookie of the Year Pelican, support Iris, and Tank Piggy, according to a report by Dexerto. Despite all effort being put into transferring said players to another organization, Houston Outlaws has not found any interested clubs interested in Pelican, Iris and Piggy thus far. Sources have told Dexerto that the Houston Outlaws wishes wish to offload Pelican and Piggy together rather than negotiating the duo separately. Piggy has been part of the Houston Outlaws since December 2020 when he joined from Talon Esports. Pelican and Iris, on the other hand, have been playing for Houston Outlaws since October 2021 when they parted ways with the Atlanta Reign. One of the key reasons why Houston Outlaws wants to rebuild its OWL team is because the North American player Dante wishes to come back to his main DPS role, which has been fulfilled by Pelican since last year, according to Dexerto. Dante is the longest standing player on the Houston Outlaws roster, having joined the organization in 2018 and has been mainly playing Doomfist after the arrival of Pelican. Houston Outlaws are currently fourth in the West standings of the 2022 Owl with a 9-3 record in the regular season. The team will return to the Overwatch server on August 11th to play against the New York Excelsior in the first Owl Summer Showdown qualifying match. Now, uh, this article uh, I pulled up because it's obviously got the nugget of the details in there, um, so it does of course talk about uh, you know the, the the main crux of the article, is Pelican, Iris, and Piggy supposedly or rumored to have been on the table uh, in terms of the Houston Outlaws trading them in some manner or another. Now one thing that I think since the publishing of this article has kind of been debunked is that this is in an effort to get dante back on the dps role um i'm pretty sure after this article broke or after uh i think it was actually after halo uh, of course Aaron Spack halo of thoughts on twitter um i think it was shortly after he sort of tweeted this out or posted this um for dexerto dante kind of responded to him not in in a not so kind manner saying what are you talking about uh I never once kind of asked for this, um, and I, you know, I'm happy to be playing at all, and you know, I've I've never had a problem with with being on the Doomfist tank roll. Um, so it's a little bit of a controversial topic there, um, but what I would rather focus on, you know, if this is in fact true, the question is actually why would Houston be looking at making these trades Now, if we look at the mid-season madness qualifiers uh, sort of uh, standings there, of course, Houston is fourth in the West. Uh, They are currently sitting with 10 points on the season, nine and three. They're not having a bad season by any means. Um, I just pulled up the regular season standings and guess what? They don't want to load right now. Um, It looks like a bunch of the bunch of the season standings don't want to load so that is houston has certainly not had a bad season um and especially i think they're given their performance in the uh mid-season madness tournament i don't think anyone was truly too disappointed with houston you know i think they are finishing probably a little higher than expected at least uh in in my opinion i thought they might be a little bit more of a mid-table team a little bit closer to the mid-table and certainly they uh they they've kind of overperformed that i think they're they're seated a little higher than i would have given them credit for uh you know initially moving into the season now the big thing about this as well is if this is breaking as a as a rumor as a you know we've heard sources saying this kind of thing obviously that means word is getting out and seemingly no one is biting so what's the problem there well the big deal to me would obviously be the fact that they want to trade Pelican and Piggy together, if that's true. Um, because you know, Pelican, although he certainly has, a uh, uh, some weight behind his name be- being the, uh, rookie of the year in our previous season in season four of the Overwatch League. Um, i don't know that piggy truly does uh you know i was actually impressed with piggy's performance on houston last year now houston was a bit more of a middling team last year um and i thought piggy was kind of a standout now this year he's obviously struggled a little bit more um the meta hasn't necessarily played into his favor either iris as well is iris is probably the least surprising if you ask me um just because i don't think uh sorry and I, i mispronounced that it's not iris it's iris if i'm not mistaken um But Iris, I don't think, has had a standout season by any means. I know on support, it can, you know, it tends to be a little harder to be a standout player. But when there are standout players on support, you know, you notice them. Um, They can be big impact players, even if they're not necessarily the ones out in, you know, the front lines or even, you know, jumping in the back lines of the enemy team, getting kills and things like that. Support has the potential to make a huge impact, which in part is why you see teams like Uh, you know, uh, the Los Angeles Gladiators doing as well as they have been this season because they are a very well-rounded team, but they also have some stellar support players uh, to back them up. So I'm not too surprised by Iris. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they're not the only team shopping for supports kind of thing, but I don't know if Iris will really truly find a home. Pelican could certainly find a home on a number of other teams, I'd say, but the big question is, again, if they do want to move him with Piggy, then that's a bit more of an ask. And on top of that, I mean, I don't think it's any secret that uh, the organization that owns Houston um, in, I believe it is, texas optic is what they're called now I, I could be incorrect on that i know they've they've kind of changed names and they merged with envy and all this stuff at one point or another but i digress uh i don't think they're strapped for cash by any means so i suspect they have a pretty high asking price for those two um and they're just trying to get someone to bite uh and in, in effort to make a trade of some sort so again a little bit surprising but at the same time I certainly don't mind seeing this kind of thing. It's it's kind of exciting because it means that, you know, okay, this team is doing pretty well, I think, by, for most people's standards on the season, uh, but they want to do even better, right? They want to trade some big pieces for, or, or at least a big piece and some, you know, more middling pieces for a big piece in return and probably, you know, uh, another middling piece kind of thing to uh, to really kind of try to make that push, um, try to, try to really elevate their game. So I certainly do like hearing this kind of thing. Um, you know, it's, it's too bad that they kind of, that Aaron for whatever reason had to pin it on the rumor about Dante wanting more playtime and things like that. That seems to me like that's pure speculation. Um, you know, if it, if it were me or if it were, uh, you know, I think many other journalists, they probably would have reported it as, oh, Houston is shopping Pelican, Iris and Piggy. And that's where it ends. But for whatever reason, Aaron felt the need to include that sort of rumored reasoning behind it, you know, player speculation. I, I just, I'm not too much of a fan of the speculation on the reasoning being directly related to a player. So anyways, will be very interesting to see if these uh, players land somewhere. If Houston is able to make a trade, um, I would not mind seeing a player like Pelican on the Toronto Defiant as a Toronto fan. Um, I think that could be really exciting. And then, I mean, if, if that means that piggy comes across with him, I mean, I'm not too upset by that or anything, just, I guess at that point, it all depends on, uh, on what the return is, right? If, you know, in theory, if they're trading, uh, with the Toronto Defiant, I mean, pardon me, Toronto could move Muse or Hotba for Piggy. I don't know that that's necessarily, I don't know that that's necessarily a bad trade. I don't know that it's necessarily a good trade either though. Um, and then Pelican, I mean, do they get although or finale i mean we haven't actually been seeing a lot of although i think we we certainly have been seeing quite a bit of finale does pelican upgrade finale that much i mean if you look at his performance last year certainly um but you know performance wise this year maybe is that enough to elevate toronto to a to a higher tier i don't know uh that that would be an interesting one to see um other teams that i could see you know maybe making a trade like this I'm just kind of taking a look to at the rosters to see if there's anyone that I think this could make an impact on. Um, you know, like New York. I think Yaki has been the only player on New York that's really kind of stepped up and we know he has pop-off potential. Um, Pelican could be a decent upgrade. Does Piggy upgrade Kellen I don't know. Also, does Houston want Yaki in return for Pelican? I don't think that's necessarily that much of an upgrade. So, I mean, no matter what, whoever's getting something in return for Pelican is probably not getting an upgrade, right? Um, you know, even if you look at the San Francisco Shock or the Los Angeles Gladiators, do they trade someone for Pelican, right? Do they trade a Patapan for Pelican? Probably not. Do they? Does Does San Francisco trade proper or Sam? probably not so it's kind of hard to say uh what might happen there and then you bring in the whole uh, the whole package deal thing and that just complicates it even further so i digress enough speculation on the part of the houston outlaws um let's move right along our next article is going to take us back over to Dottysports.com with an article by adam snavely which reads former overwatch league stars bird ring and effect make the jump to apex legends The Apex Legends scene has always been a haven for veterans of other games. Many of the top pros in Apex came from other competitive battle royales like Fortnite, PUBG, and H1Z1 other players honed their skills in tactical shooters like CSGO before finding careers in Apex. Then there's the crowd that were drawn to the game because of its hero shooter elements. For those people, New Korean Apex team most likely features two very familiar names with Birdring and Effect jumping into the game's pro scene with a new team that aims to compete in the Apex North region of the Apex Legends Global Series. The two will be joined by Zelo, a veteran of Korea's Apex scene. Both Birdring and Effect are best known for their professional Overwatch careers, and both were popular Overwatch League players. Effect was a DPS player for the Dallas Fuel before he retired from the game due to mental health issues. Birdring was one of the Owl's most mercurial stars, winning the first season with the London Spitfire before eventually moving on to the Los Angeles Gladiators and subsequently retiring from professional Overwatch in 2021. Now, both look to join a challenge in a completely different title and form a squad that fans will expect big things from in the midst of a talented region. Several teams in APAC North made their mark on the international stage last year, such as squads like Fnatic and AD. For the time being, the team will most likely focus on finding an org to represent and qualifying for the APAC North Pro League. Year 3 of ALGS is slated to begin in late 2022. So there you go. I just wanted to bring this one up because it's a nice little nod to a couple former pros, uh, former Overwatch pros, I should say. Um, and, uh, you know, a couple popular ones as well. I personally, I don't know if I remember Effect um, playing for the Dallas Fuel. That may have been before I started following the, uh, the league. However, I of course remember Bird Ring, um, you know, obviously hearing all about how impressive his performance was with the London Spitfire popping off at the end of that first season. And then of course I do remember him on the Los Angeles Gladiators, um, and definitely being a standout player over there, being one of the, the players that really tried to, uh, carry the team. Um, and obviously, you know, we, we had plenty of problems with the Gladiators in past seasons, just not being able to quite make the, things work. Um, but regardless, I don't think any of that was on the back of bird Ring. I think he was one of the better, uh, better sides of that team back when he was with, uh, back when he was repping the purple haze. So anyways, just wanted to quickly shout out that, uh, that, uh, article there, because obviously we always wish the best to all the, uh, pros that, leave the game that retire that move on that uh, step away from mental health issues or 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 physical issues or anything like that for any reason um and then of course uh seeing them move on to other games returning to the league or what have you i always like to champion the the continued career of these players so uh all the best to bird ring and effect moving on from there we're gonna stay with dot esports for one more article then we'll move on uh another one from august 4th this time by jessica sharnagel this one reads blizzard says there will be no more overwatch 2 testing periods until official beta launch john specter overwatch 2 oh sorry overwatch's commercial lead and vice president said today that overwatch 2 will not get any additional beta tests before the game releases its pvp beta in october quote Today marks just two months until Overwatch 2's launch, Spectre said. We know players are eager to dive in and have seen questions about the possibility of a third public beta. While we will continue testing Overwatch 2 daily internally, we're not planning any additional public beta tests. With all the valuable feedback we received from our alpha and two public beta tests, we'll be focusing all our efforts on launching the best game possible on October 4th. Overwatch 2 has had a few beta periods before the upcoming release of the PvP side of the game. The initial public testing periods that were open to all players uh, and granted them a hands-on experience were all opt-in while the current version of Overwatch remained live. On October 4th, Overwatch 2 will replace the current build of Overwatch on the live service platform and players will no longer have a choice. Many players were expecting at least one additional public beta testing period before the October beta. No more testing period periods means that the player base will have no additional opportunity to try out big changes and voice their opinion before october 4th this includes one of the biggest changes from the public uh, from the last public testing period to to the two healers mercy and moira who recently had their reworks reverted due to player feedback because there are no additional public testing periods the only testing that will be done before the beta is released is internal testing at Blizzard. Players will have to wait until the PvP beta goes live later this year to give more feedback on any implemented changes. Players who are hoping for another public testing period will now have to wait until the official beta build goes live on October 4th. So, let's talk about betas. So, obviously, this is uh, this one, I think, came to a, as a surprise to most people. Um, kind of myself included. It's a bit of a complicated one because I... I had said in the past, um, that I actually, I had kind of waffled in the past. I had said, I didn't think there would be another, a third beta. I just said, I didn't think there would be a second beta or sorry. Um, I let me, let me, let me start that over. I had said, I didn't think there would be a third beta. I had said, I did think there would be a third beta. Um, I had kind of gone back and forth on the issue. And as recently as last week's episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, um, I had brought up the third beta and I said, look, guys, we are uh, two months out from launch. Do you think there's still time? And the guys both said, yeah, I think they will do another one. And I, and then I kind of really thought about it and said, you know what? Actually, I agree with you. I think they would be smart to do a uh, public beta, um, but do a totally open one maybe a week or two weeks out from the launch. And the purpose strictly being stress testing the servers. Cause we all know when these live service games launch, they always have server issues. So I had suggested that that would be, you know, the, the best, uh, kind of way to close out the, the, uh, sort of pre-release beta periods, right. Is do one final beta, uh, make it open to anyone who opts in. Like, you know, it's not just going to be totally open. Maybe you still have to opt in, or maybe you still have to, you know, sign up in some way, but, anyone who requests access gets access. um, And the point being less on the player feedback side, more on the uh, stress testing of the servers. On top of all that, obviously that would be a great final marketing push, right? Two weeks out from launch of the game, say, hey, you want in, you're going to get in, play it now before the game launches. Maybe, I don't know, they could even throw in a goodie. Like if you play in this final beta, you get a, a badge, a player badge that you can you know, display that says beta tester or something like that. I know games like Overwatch, uh, Overwatch, sorry. I think Uncharted 3 did that. Maybe it was Uncharted 2. Um, If you if you participated in the beta, you got a little badge you could display. I know I had that. Um, So anyways, you know, just something to kind of just get the marketing machine kicked up and running just before the actual launch. Now, I had suggested that almost more as a marketing side of things right as a uh as a hey let's let's ramp things up here um and then you go dark for two weeks and then you really celebrate the launch uh the official launch of overwatch 2. but what i hadn't considered is the fact that they are still calling overwatch 2 early access or as this you know this article actually refers to it a couple times as overwatch 2's beta Uh, so they're still calling it in beta access which again ties back to that initial announcement where i was kind of annoyed because they said hey guess what the game launches in early access and they made this big deal about the game launching when really it wasn't launching they were very clear actually about the fact that it was launching in early access or launching in beta so that's kind of the part that i had forgotten is that when we launch on october 4th they're still technically calling this an early access period um they're doing essentially the Fortnite model, right? If you look at uh Fortnite when it when it first came out with the uh the not not the actual base game, the battle royale mode, um Fortnite was actually in beta for something ridiculous, like two or three years before it officially was we're launching Fortnite, right? So they're essentially doing that as well. Do I think they're gonna drag it out that long? No. But realistically, they could get away with just straight up never actually make claiming that it is officially launched right um leaving that sort of beta tag you know unofficially on it does give them the out to say you know we can change things on the fly we can make improvements we can you know we're always taking in player feedback and that kind of thing so i do suspect that that ties into the fact that they're not doing a third Uh, a third sort of beta testing period they're calling you know october 4th the official official launch but they're also calling it the early access launch right so to me that means that they don't need to have a beta before then because that's when you know they're going to get an initial pop but they have bigger plans to continue that ball rolling and everything like that and eventually they may have an official release i would suspect that's likely going to be um down the line when we, when we start to get news and, uh, actual release dates and information on, uh, the, the, uh, multiplayer co-op side of things, um, or the single player co-op. I I don't know why they, I don't really think it's going to be single player unless you can play with bots, but anyways, I digress. Um, that's kind of where my head is at when it comes to this whole no more or no future, future beta thing. So that's what I think about that. Um, like I say, I think that if if they had done it, it would have been a stress test and a marketing pop. Since they're not doing it, I think it's because they're leaning into the fact that this is still a quote unquote, you know, uh, early access, or it's still going to be a beta, right? So there you have it. Now for our final news story of the week, we're going to jump on over to Dexerto with an article by Philip Trahan posted on August seventh. This article reads, Overwatch Anniversary Remix Volume 3 dates officially announced. In 2022, Blizzard started Overwatch's Anniversary Remix event, which brings back exclusive cosmetics for a limited time so players can earn them again. With Anniversary Remix Volume 2 concluded, fans were wondering wondering when Volume 3 would begin and what skins would make a return. Now, Blizzard has officially announced the start date for Overwatch's Anniversary Volume 3, along with some teasers about which skins will reappear. Blizzard announced the start of the date through a tweet from the official Overwatch Twitter account which said, Let's Boogie Overwatch Anniversary Remix Volume 3 begins August 9th. Blizzard attached a brief 15-second video that uh, to that tweet that showed various heroes lined up waiting to gain entry to a dance club. However, some heroes are wearing previous Overwatch Anniversary-specific skins, which fans can get a glimpse of despite only appearing from the leg up. In order of appearance, fans can see Doomfist's legendary formal skin, Widowmaker's epic electric skin zenyatta's legendary zealot skin and orisa's legendary forest spirit skin following orisa's there's cassidy's legendary vigilante Moira's legendary Venus skin, Sigma's legendary Maestro skin, and Ash in her legendary Mardi Gras skin. As fans witnessed from the previous two Anniversary Remix events, fan-favorite skins are not only reappearing from the vault, but are also getting remixed from their original versions. Given that fact, it may be assumed that Blizzard is teasing that some of these skins will be getting remixed in the Anniversary Remix Volume 3 event. At the moment, it's not clear which skins Blizzard is remixing, so fans will just have to wait and see what... Oh boy, the article I I was... I was reading it, and it just jumped on me. The webpage just snapped back up to the top. At the moment, it's not clear which skins Blizzard is remixing, so fans will just have to wait and see what the Overwatch Anniversary Remix Volume 3 event has in store when it starts on August 9th, 2022. So there you have it. Obviously, uh, exciting news to get the uh, anniversary remix volume three announcement. Um, in my mind, this is just you know trying to drum up a little bit of hype for Overwatch, uh, draw in maybe a few previous players who may have dropped off uh, just for this event, and hopefully get them you know in the mood for some Overwatch ahead of, of course, uh, the uh, launch in October of Overwatch two. So with that. That's all the news we have to talk about this week. Uh, so now we're going to move on over to the Overwatch League part of the show, where we will take a quick peek at uh, the upcoming matches. And of course, we'll do our pick for week 15 of the Overwatch League. Want to try again? Okay, so let's see what we've got here. I'm going to, so I've got the standings up over here. I've got the schedule up over here. And I've got the pick up over here. So let's head on over to the pick and we'll break these down day by day. Now, if I'm not mistaken, yes, I am correct. Because of the dispari- disparity uh, in the number of teams in each region, uh, we do only have games in the West this weekend. And of course, we also have four days worth of games. So let's take a look here. We're going to start our pick off with the Crystal Ball picks for the Summer Showdown. Now, of course, the Summer Showdown runs from August 11th through September 11th. And our picks for the Crystal Ball lock August 11th at 1pm when matches start. So, if you are doing your Overwatch League pickups, get your crystal ball picks especially, especially your crystal ball picks. Get those in now, uh, and once you hit that save button, double check it again. Make sure it saves, and then check it tomorrow, and then check it the day after, because we've all seen problems with the the crystal ball picks saving uh, this season. I know I missed out on the points in the uh, kickoff clash there, because my picks didn't save. So, I digress. Uh, check it out and double check it just to make sure. So let's take a look. In the Western region, we have to pick two teams that will advance to the Summer Showdown. Bonus points for the winner. So I am, of course, picking the Los Angeles Gladiators and the San Francisco Shock. Gladiators have now proven that they are a dominant force to be reckoned with, and it would be extremely shocking and disappointing if they somehow lost out on, uh, on an appearance in the... Uh what was this? Countdown cup? Is that right? Summer Showdown, my bad. Um they would have to severely, majorly, majorly, majorly F up uh in order for them to miss out. So I'm definitely picking the Gladiators. Now the second team I would like to pick, I think there's a few good choices here, um, but Obviously, there is one clear-cut choice, and that's the San Francisco Shock, you know. They're still currently sitting at a 12-0 win-loss record. They have a map differential of 28 maps. Uh, they are a dominant force, especially in all of these regular season games, you know. We have now, we we saw them struggle in the kickoff clash uh, tournament cycle. They were out pretty quickly. We saw them do much better in the mid-season madness tournament cycle, um, even making it almost all the way, but ultimately getting uh, beat out by the coordination and synergy that I think the Los Angeles Gladiators demonstrated. Um, but, you know, believe in Coach Krusty and, and his team and the organization they have around those players. And they certainly uh, will be looking for their revenge. So I'm sticking with the Gladiators and the Shock. Uh, I don't think there's any any question in my mind that those two teams will make it to the, the summer showdown tournament. If we look at the eastern region, things get a little bit more dicey over there. Uh, let's take a look at the standings right now. Um, over in the east, we've got Seoul Dynasty in first place with 12 points. We've got the Hangzhou Spark in second with 10. Shanghai Dragons in third, also with 10. And then the Philadelphia Fusion in fourth with, eighth, with 8. Sorry. Now, there's a couple of interesting factors here. Uh, one is that the Guangzhou Charge, sitting in seventh place, one point on the season, but they did just announce some exciting signings this uh this past little while uh one of them being the legendary player aprita who was supposed to be going to the Chengdu hunters until Chengdu had some uh financial issues and had to let go of uh, some of their players so guangzhou could be in line for a turnaround uh in this tournament obviously it is hard for anyone to step into a team and uh, just completely turn things around. So who knows if they'll be able to climb from one point on the season up to a competitive amount, which would be, you know, somewhere in the probably 10, I maybe even like 12 to 15 or 17 range by the end of the tournament cycle. Um, you know, they would have to be dominating some pretty tough teams there. So and and it wasn't just a prita that they signed. I think there were two other players as well. Um I actually, I want to say one of them was Evelto, but I could be wrong. Uh, and I can't remember the third one. So anyways, I digress. There's some interesting stuff going on in the East. Aside from that, obviously we know Seoul has been dominant. You know, they're sitting at a nine and three win loss record. Uh, So are the Hangzhou Spark and so are the Shanghai Dragons. Shanghai being one team that I think has let down a lot of people this season, um, but still has a good record. And then the Hangzhou Spark being a team that I think has actually, you know, had had a few ups and a few downs, but ultimately has been impressing lately. Hangzhou almost beat the Los Angeles Gladiators. I think if they had tweaked a few little things, if they had maybe won a couple more fights, they stood a really good chance of knocking the Gladiators down to the loser's bracket. Um, so I'm really interested to see what they can do outside of that the philadelphia fusion had an incredible run through the midseason madness tournament as well so these four teams in the east i think are actually all really exciting the, the one i'm the least excited about is actually the shanghai dragons the former champions from last year um so that made my picks a little bit more difficult now obviously you get to pick two so the odds are in your favor um and i think you know in my mind, you gotta go with you gotta go with the team that was the most dominant and most impressive, and so I went with the Seoul Dynasty. Um, although they struggled in the uh, mid season madness tournament, I think their their regular season performance was was stellar, and they looked set to take it all the way. I mean, I actually had my final being Shanghai versus Seoul, uh, stupidly, but I digress. Um, they didn't show up in the tournament, but of course, right now these picks are only who's gonna make it into the tournament. So I am sticking with Seoul. That's for sure. The second pick. I was tempted to go with Philly. I was really impressed with Philly's run in the, uh, in the mid-season madness. They also had problems where uh, they had like half their team dealing with some COVID issues and they weren't able to play in the same space. Um, so it does beg the question, what could the Philadelphia Fusion team look like if they were all at full health and able to take on their opponents altogether? So I was tempted to go with Philly. That said, I went with the Hangzhou Spark. I think Hangzhou and their performance against the Los Angeles Gladiators said to me, they are here to play this season and they are looking to win. So I'm I'm ready to pick them. So I've locked in the Los Angeles Gladiators, the San Francisco Shock in the West and the Hangzhou Spark and the Seoul Dynasty in the East. Now let's take a look at the actual schedule coming up here. Uh, for the western region so of course as i mentioned only the west is playing western region week one august 11th through august 14th things kick off on thursday august 11th at 1 p.m mountain time with the florida mayhem taking on the london spitfire oh man that's a banger of a match holy cow dang i i haven't really looked at the schedule i know a few of the upcoming games obviously uh having talked about them you know on on ready set Pone, and just looking ahead I haven't looked too closely so now that i'm seeing london with an eight and four record florida with a six and six obviously you know if you're basing it on record london is in fifth florida's in seventh london has beaten florida uh, at least once i think in the regular season but florida was able to come out over top of london in the mid-season madness tournament if i'm not mistaken florida actually knocked them out of the loser's bracket and made it so that london did not progress um the other side of it is that it's yet to be seen what the impact of Reinhardt is going to have in this meta. You know, we're we're dealing with a new tournament cycle, therefore we have patch changes. We actually will be seeing a Junker Queen introduced into the into the fray. So there's a lot of question marks around this uh, this upcoming tournament cycle. I'm gonna put my chips on the Florida Mayhem. I'm gonna say they take it three two, and the reason behind that is simply because of the meta shift. Um, and I think we're going to be moving away from a Reinhardt-style play that we know London uh, excels at. And um, I think Florida can can probably get the best of them. So next up, we have the Houston Outlaws taking on the New York Excelsior. Uh, New York did look like they were experiencing a bit of a turnaround towards the end of the mid-season madness regular play obviously new york did not make it into the tournament but towards the end of their regular season there they seemed to be maybe figuring of figuring out a few pieces that said do they have what it takes to beat the houston atlas i do not think so so houston 3-1 after that at 4 p.m on thursday august 11th the gladiators take on the fuel Ooh, that's a tough one because we know the Gladiators are dominant and we know the Fuel have struggled. Holy cow, did they ever. I'm actually going to open up the tournament here or the, the, the bracket from the Mid-Season Madness so I can just take a quick peek at how exactly Dallas did because I don't think they won a game. No, They lost to Shanghai and then they lost to Philly. Dallas did not have a good showing in the tournament at all. Um, I was actually more impressed with Toronto's match against Shanghai than I was Dallas's match against Shanghai. Dallas didn't have to play in that winner's round one because of their their record on the season. They immediately got into a round two. So anyways, uh, I mean, I'm going to give it to the Gladiators. Do I go 3-0 or do I go 3-1? I think I'm going to go 3-0, honestly. I'm not giving the Dallas Fuel any rope right now until they can prove to me something in this in this upcoming tournament cycle i'm not giving them an inch moving on from there friday august 12th Matches start at 1 p.m. on time again with the Atlanta Rain taking on the Boston Uprising. Now, I'll, I'll give Boston a map here. Um, I'm giving it to Atlanta 3-1. I'll give Boston a map because they seem to be making some positive strides and changes uh, in their roster. Obviously, they've had a bit of a volatile season. Um, they're one team that I think could be looking at making some moves and some changes. Obviously, we know they, they actually cut a few players um, from their roster, but I think they they are looking to improve. So I'm going to give it to Atlanta 3-1. Then we have the San Francisco Shock taking on the Washington Justice. Um, As I've talked about many times, I don't like Washington. I'm giving it to San Francisco 3-0. And then of course, we have our first Battle of Canada for the season. The very first of the season. Very exciting for us Canadians up here. The Vancouver Titans taking on the Toronto Defiant or rather the Toronto Defiant taking on the Vancouver Titans. I don't think it's any secret who's going to win this. It's going to be the Toronto Defiant. Can Vancouver get a map? Vancouver, a, a shockwave list Vancouver for the first first time ever, well, first time this season, a shockwave list Vancouver and a kingful Vancouver. Can they get the better of the Toronto Defiant? I don't think they can. I think Toronto's going to take it. Can Vancouver get a map? I feel like they've their goal, Vancouver's goal, I think, in all of these matches is get a map. I think they want to get one map off every team. If they can do that, it shows they can at least go toe-to-toe in some way, shape, or form against other teams. Obviously, their ultimate goal is to win, but realistically, I don't think anyone has any expectation of them to win against most teams. So can they get a map against the Toronto Defiant? You know what? I want to give them the pity point because I I often do that and every time i do that i end up regretting it and i'm wrong so i'm not gonna i'm gonna give it to toronto 3-0 i'm gonna say it's a quick 3-0 and that takes us through our friday games moving on from there saturday august 13th kicking off at 1 p.m the london spitfire take on the boston uprising i think london's gonna take this but i'll give boston you know what i'm gonna say this is a good match i'm gonna say it's a 3-2 for london then the washington justice take on the Paris Eternal oh man we got some decent matchups this weekend washington against paris washington sitting in ninth place with a record of five and seven and paris sitting in 12th place with a record of one and 11 i mean washington does have a fair amount more sort of base skill it would seem than paris i want to give this one to paris i'm gonna i'm gonna flip the script on this one say it's a three two in favor of paris i could be totally wrong on that one that I could be throwing away those, those pick-em points, but I'm going to give it to Paris 3-2. Then at 4 p.m. on Saturday, August 13th, the Los Angeles Gladiators take on the Houston Outlaws, and I'm going to give it to the Gladiators 3-1. I've already talked quite a bit about Houston and the Glads this this uh, episode, so I won't go into that one in too much detail. Moving on to Sunday, August 14th, we actually we actually have four matches. I'm a little bit surprised, but we have four matches on Sunday, August 14th. We only have three on the 11th, 12th, and 13th. So let's take a look at the 14th here. Starting at 1 p.m., we have the Vancouver Titans in your Pick'em's double points match, the Vancouver Titans against the Paris Eternal. they whoa, this is exciting. Vancouver's first, in my mind, first realistic chance to get a win on the season. You know what? I absolutely oh man. Paris sitting in twelfth, one and twelve one and eleven. Vancouver sitting in thirteenth, zero and twelve. This is our toilet bowl match of the season. Bottom two teams. Who gets the win? You know what? I really have no idea who wins this match. I'm giving it to the Vancouver Titans. Um I'm going to call it a three, two. My gut is telling me three, one. I don't know why, but my gut is telling me the Vancouver Titans take this three, one. I'm going to put it as three, two right now. And I might change that one, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick with Vancouver getting the win. I think they're going to get their first one in the season. Uh, I'm just crossing my fingers that that King has an impact, a positive impact and has been gelling with the team. Well, then at two 30 PM, we have the San Francisco shock taking on the Florida mayhem. Um, I do think San Francisco diffs Florida and gets it 3-1. Then the Dallas Fuel take on the New York Excelsior. And, you know, you want to talk strength of schedule. Dallas, I think, has gotten by this season in a lot of ways on their strength of schedule. And I think this is another example of that. I think playing a team like New York, I do think Dallas will win. Um, I'm hopeful that New York puts up a decent fight, but I'm giving it to Dallas 3-1. You know what? I'm giving it to Dallas 3-0. I don't have much faith in new york at all they're 1-11 and 11, same record as paris this season uh unfortunately i'm giving that to dallas 3-0 then finally 5 30 p.m to close out our weekend closing out this sunday august 14th matches we have the atlanta rain taking on the toronto defiant um this one could actually be a bit of a banger atlanta sitting sixth overall seven and five toronto sitting in eighth overall six and six there's not a ton of uh of space between the two teams obviously in the standings but you know atlanta has consistently made the the uh tournament uh made decent runs in each tournament cycle whereas toronto has made each tournament cycle but then i think i don't think they've won a single match in any of the tournaments um i think atlanta is looking like a pretty decent team i mean they they are your third place finishers from the mid-season madness i think atlanta is going to take this one How far does Toronto push them, though, is the question. I'm going to give this to Atlanta in a 3-2 win. I think Toronto could take this um, and push Atlanta pretty far. I'm hopeful that they will. Um, I'm hopeful that they have a performance akin to their performance against Houston or the Shanghai Dragons um, in the midseason madness. And I'm just hopeful that maybe I get that one wrong and they're able to edge out the Atlanta reign. That would be big if they could get a win over atlanta that could show some some of the doubters that you know what toronto is here to is here to fight and with that that actually brings us to the end of the weekend and that's the end of the august 14th matches so i think now that that's all taken care of we're gonna head on over and close out the show Woohoo! all right well thank you so much for listening to episode 82 of One Man Watchpoint. If you made it this far, you no doubt know that One Man Watchpoint is an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you were a returning listener, thank you so much for listening. And if you were not, I will once again tell you, I am Sir Dr. JM, that's at Sir DRJM. You can find me and follow me on Instagram and Twitter. But in particular reach out to me over on twitter send me your questions dm me tweet at me whatever you've got let me know what you want to hear about on the show uh, as it relates to overwatch 2 overwatch overwatch league anything uh blizzard related video game related whatever you've got i'd love to talk about it on the show um and if i get enough interest maybe i'll start a new podcast about it we'll see you can of course find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there spotify apple podcast google podcasts etc cetera, etc cetera. so give us a follow leave us a review tell your friends and all that jazz and of course if you can't get enough of me, catch me over on the Ready, Set, Poem podcast available on podcast services everywhere, which also posts on the same day as a one-man watch point. That is every Wednesday during the Overwatch League season, of course. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you on episode 83 next week. See you later.